podcast is a production of Open Pediatrics, an open access online community of healthcare professionals sharing best practices from around the world. Visit openpediatrics.org for more. How to Write High-Quality Evaluations Without Bias Voiced by Dr. Michael Fishman How to Write High-Quality Evaluations Without Bias This instructional video will discuss how to write high-quality evaluations without bias, including the ways that implicit bias in evaluations may harm trainees, the elements of effective feedback, a systematic approach to written feedback, and strategies to help mitigate bias in clinical evaluations. Background. Bias in evaluations. Evaluations in medical training serve two major roles. They help promote trainee development by providing feedback on behaviors, while also allowing the training program to track trainee development towards competency. Due to their subjective nature, there is concern for implicit bias within medical evaluations among multiple dimensions. These include, but are not limited to, gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, religion, socioeconomic status, and disability. The most well-studied of these biases are gender and race and ethnicity. With regards to race and ethnicity bias, Rojek and colleagues in 2019 found that underrepresented in medicine trainees were more likely to be described using personal attributes as opposed to competency-based behaviors. To better understand these findings, we will define some terms. Here, underrepresented in medicine is defined by the AAMC as those racial and ethnic populations that are underrepresented in the medical profession relative to their numbers in the general population. Competency-based behaviors are combinations of skills and behaviors that are easily identified and measured and a core tenet of effective feedback. On the other hand, personality-based attributes are judgments made upon the characteristic of a person. For example, honest, lazy, compassionate, these differences raise concern for implicit bias in narrative evaluations and a gap in implementing competency-based evaluations of students. These differences can lead to an amplification cascade where small differences in assessed performance lead to larger differences in grades and a selection for awards, such as being selected for chief resident or getting one's top choice in fellowship. Let's look at an example of how a biased evaluation early in one's medical training might have amplified downstream consequences. First, a medical student receives a biased clerkship evaluation, which leads to a biased dean's letter. They subsequently are not selected for their medical honor society, are not considered for graduation awards, and do not match at their top choice for residency. As a resident, they continue to receive biased evaluations, are not selected to be a chief resident and do not match at their top choice for fellowship. As a fellow, they continue to receive biased evaluations and are not selected for any top positions or honors, which gives them limited leverage in job negotiations and they are not retained by their institution. As a faculty member, they have a series of biased interactions, have difficulty obtaining funding via grants and are passed over for promotions. Throughout their time as a faculty member, there is increased scrutiny of their behavior and work through a biased lens and constant questioning of their qualifications. The following are real examples of bias from our colleagues who provided us with permission to share them anonymously.
As a woman, I was told I spoke to a consultant in a way that was too assertive. As a black woman, I've been told that I sound too defensive when I'm asking questions and making statements. I always feel annoyed when quiet, meek, or timid show up in my evals, especially because I don't think it's particularly true. When people comment how articulate or well-spoken I am, like it's a surprise. Because I have an accent, people have considered me less smart than other faculty. I was told I needed to tone it down and not let on that I was gay, or else I wouldn't get promoted and my career would suffer because people wouldn't take me seriously. How to give effective and unbiased feedback. Now we'll go through the five elements of effective feedback. We can use the boats mnemonic to help us remember the different elements. Effective feedback is behavior focused, observable, actionable, timely, and specific. Let's deconstruct an example evaluation and improve it to better understand the five elements of effective feedback. Here is our example. Alex occasionally came across as quiet and unconfident, though they were compassionate and great with patience. Alex was always eager to learn, a true team player. While they were well-spoken on rounds, they should continue to work on improving their clinical decision-making. Alex will make a wonderful physician. Let's start with how to make this evaluation behavior-focused. Evaluations should focus on behaviors rather than on personality traits or physical characteristics. Describing a behavior lets the learner know what exactly to replicate or change. Let's look at the statement that Alex occasionally came across as quiet and unconfident. This does not describe the behaviors that made the evaluator write this label and would be difficult for Alex to know what to change. Additionally, consider how this comment may reflect the evaluator's biases and could be interpreted by the trainee based on their background. For example, women and trainees of certain racial backgrounds are often stereotyped as quiet, unconfident, or timid. Be cautious of using these labels. Also consider how your own social and cultural experiences may affect your expectations and interpretations of behaviors. So instead, let's write this in a behavior-focused way. Describe the behaviors that led you to think Alex was unconfident. How about, I noticed Alex would look to the supervising resident on family-centered rounds whenever there was a question from the family, which led to the supervisor jumping in and answering. I would encourage Alex to try and answer questions that they feel comfortable with and know that they have support if they otherwise need it. Next, what is written in an evaluation should be observable. That is, it should be based on directly observed actions whenever possible. Let's look at the statement. They were compassionate and great with patience. You can only give feedback on what you heard, saw, or felt. You don't see compassion, but you see behaviors that you interpret as compassion. And these behaviors are viewed differently across gender, ethnicity, age, profession, and identity. So describe what you saw, not what you interpreted. If you want to include your interpretation, like compassionate, just be sure to also include the observed actions that led you to that interpretation. How can we change that statement into something observable? Let's try again. Alex would routinely call families in the afternoon to update them on the day and always checked in on their patients multiple times throughout the day. Next, what is written in an evaluation should be actionable. Offer concrete suggestions or next steps for the trainee to attain a higher level of performance. The receiver should be able to read the evaluation and know what they need to change and or what they should keep doing. 
let's look at another statement. While they were well-spoken on rounds, they should continue to work on improving their clinical decision-making. Alex will make a wonderful physician. Language stating that a trainee is well-spoken or articulate might reflect implicit bias and racial stereotyping, so it is important that you use this language carefully. Instead, you may want to consider, when faced with management decisions regarding antibiotics on rounds, Alex can work on suggesting which specific choice they would make and why, as well as duration of treatment. This offers next steps based on observations without introducing bias. Remember, feedback should be delivered in a timely manner to allow for dialogue and appropriate behavioral interventions to take place. Any constructive feedback included in a written evaluation should also be discussed in person. Lastly, you should aim to give specific examples of discrete actions, not generalizations. For example, a true team player. How do you think we can make this more specific? Consider this as a replacement. Multiple times, Alex was seen on rounds putting in orders, updating signout, and paging consults for other members of the team, significantly improving workflow and setting their team up for success. Let's put all of our edits together to make a new evaluation. It was a pleasure to work with Alex. Alex would routinely call families in the afternoon to update them on the day and always checked in on their patients multiple times throughout the day, demonstrating their focus on patient-centered care. At times though, I noticed Alex would look at the supervising resident on family-centered rounds whenever there was a question from the family, which led to the supervisor jumping in and answering. I would encourage Alex to try and answer questions that they feel comfortable with and know that they have support if they otherwise need it. Alex was always eager to learn. Multiple times, Alex was seen on rounds, putting in orders, updating sign-out, and paging consults for the other members of the team, significantly improving the workflow and setting their team up for success. As an area of growth, when faced with management decisions regarding antibiotics on rounds, Alex can work on suggesting which specific choice they would make and why, as well as duration of treatment. Alex will make a wonderful physician. You can see how this written evaluation has changed once we apply the BOATS framework to it. We are able to limit bias while also providing specific, concrete examples of actionable feedback to help aid in the growth of the learner. Tips and tricks for creating effective and unbiased feedback. One, keep written track of observed behaviors. Consider taking a brief written note of one action that was positive and one that could be improved each day. You can think of this as the plus delta model. Two, consider having a peer who does not know who the intended learner is, read your evaluation and written comments. If they can guess the gender and or race, there is likely biased language being used. Three, consider using a gender bias calculator to objectively evaluate the language used. Four, reflect Review, revise. Consciously and systematically, utilizing the BOATS mnemonic, evaluate for areas of bias. Challenge yourself to think, would I have said the same for a female trainee? Male trainee, underrepresented in medicine trainee. Take home points. Implicit bias is present in feedback and has multiple negative consequences. To target this, you should incorporate elements of effective feedback, see the BOATS mnemonic, to mitigate bias. Remember, 
The BOATS mnemonic stands for feedback that is behavior-focused, observable, actionable, timely, and specific. Additionally, employ concrete tactics to limit bias, such as writing down daily observations or having a peer review feedback. Importantly, always reflect, review, revise. The comments that you make can have a lasting and critical impact on the development and trajectory of your learners, intended or not. This concludes this instructional video on writing high-quality evaluations without bias. In this video, we reviewed the value of evaluations and the ways that implicit bias may harm trainees developmentally, personally, and professionally. Labeled the elements of effective feedback, applied a systematic approach to written feedback, and listed some strategies to help mitigate bias in clinical evaluations. This has been a production of Open Pediatrics. You can find the resources and journal articles referenced in this podcast in the description. We have more podcasts like this one available everywhere you get your podcasts. Visit openpediatrics.org for more information. Thank you.